Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following reflects neither the policies nor the thoughts of iHeartMedia or its employees. But we think it's probably a good idea to listen to it anyway. Money Sense is a presentation of Kirsten Wealth Management Group. As managing partners of Kirsten Wealth Management Group, your hosts, Dennis Kirsten, Brad Kirsten, and Kevin Kirsten, are professional financial advisors with LPL Financial with over 75 years of combined experience. They can be reached in their Perrysburg offices at 419-872-0067 or 800-875-1786. Their email address is kirstenwealth at lpl.com. Also, visit their website at kirstenwealth.com. Opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your financial advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Good morning and welcome to Money Sense. You're listening to the advisors of Kirsten Wealth Management Group, Kevin Kirsten and Brad Kirsten. Happy to be with you this morning. Uh, as we are one week away from closing out the month. Uh, and a week closer to businesses opening. And a week closer to hopefully a little bit, a small amount of normalcy, uh, both in our state and in our country, Brad. Uh, these last six weeks have, for a lot of people have probably, uh, I mentioned in the last week's show, seem like the six weeks seem like six months. And uh, we're closing out a month that maybe doesn't seem quite as long because it's been a good month for the markets. Uh, but it might, might seem really long if you're staying at home and getting quite bored with nothing to do. Yeah. But uh, from a market standpoint, uh, it has done quite a bit better. In fact, one of the best uh, recoveries in history. In fact, uh, Ryan Dietrich from LPL put that out. Uh, we're 25% off the lows, and that has happened very rarely, Brad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just a, a hair above the halfway point on the way back up here. And October of 2011 was the last time we had a month this good. So it's it's uh, we're going back almost a decade uh, for the the move up this month that we've seen. And I think there's a lot of disbelief that the market is moving up and shouldn't. Not just with what you hear on the news, but even even clients I talk to are a little bit uh, confused by the move because there's no good news out there. But the market doesn't wait for the good news. It's anticipating that that. People are getting restless. The 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 whether we should or shouldn't, we're going back to work, and I, I think you you see that even with the amount of people who are not working or working from home, you see it when you go out in public, even to go to the grocery store or go to Lowe's or Home Depot. It's uh, there's more people out during the day during the weekday than normal, and that's because people aren't working. So a typical month, Brad has twenty trading days. You got five trading days in a typical month. So Ryan Dietrich from LPL looked at the largest 20-day changes ever, and they range from 15 to 23.5. This 20-day uh, change was 22.5, and 23.5, the only one better, was from March 9, 2009 to April 6, 2009. Um, other periods of time that had 20 days similar, uh, 2002, late 2002, after the tech uh, bubble, that was a 19% 20-day move, 1982, 
kicking off an 18-year bull run. 1974, a pretty good time to invest at that time. 1998, uh, December of 08, uh, February of 91, August of 02, a couple there in 02, and uh, 88 and 75. Now, what does it tell you? Well, one month one month out, the numbers are pretty mixed after we've had such a rally, and that's not unexpected. You you pop off the bottom uh, after a big sell-off, and, and it's pretty flat. Uh, if you look at all of these 20-day changes, this is 10, the top 10 20-day changes in the S&P, pretty flat. Three months out, average is about average, 2.5%, mm-hmm. which is, for a three-month period, uh, that's a little bit better than average, actually. For a six-month period, the average return is 9.6, so much better. But how about this, Brad? On a 12-month return on all these periods of time where we've bounced this much, this much off the low, the average return 12 months later is 21%, and not one time was the market lower 12 months later. And what what's kind of sampling is that? How many different that, periods? That is, that is 10, the 10 best month returns. Mm-hmm. Which we were second. Okay. Not one of them was lower 12 months later. And the only one that was lower six months later, Brad, was August of 02. So uh, that was six months later. We were just starting the second Iraq war, if you can remember that. Yeah. Uh, and that's when we hit a secondary low. But one year later, not one was lower. The worst return was 6.4%. The best was 42%. One year later, after the uh, 2009 low, so pretty good numbers there. Pretty good month overall. Uh, interesting to see, though, and this is something that we've talked about, Brad. There's a lot of stocks, a lot of parts of the market that are still way down. Oh yeah, <laughs> this is what I wanted to talk about. We, we we talked in maybe two consecutive shows. This being the third one about not having a great idea. <laughs> And, and trying to think that your great idea is what we need to be doing for the next week or month or six months because your great idea is probably already priced in. So uh, this week is a perfect example of that. Uh, at the start of the week, we're, we maybe talk briefly about what happened with oil. You had this unusual, unusual thing happen with oil where briefly on two different days, we had oil trade negative, meaning in order to – Buy a barrel of oil, somebody would pay you to take it off their hands. Now, there's this weird, weird thing with oil where oil actually trades on what is the, the front month contract. The, the options contract is the price that you're looking at. And at the end of the May contract, which happened this week, uh, nobody wanted the oil. There was too much oil. Demand- I actually thought, Brad, the negative oil, when you think about it logically, actually made a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, let's talk about it logically. What What we were talking about is – Nobody wanted the oil in order to get, get – First of all, start with start with oil demand. Of course, everyone knows out there, instead of doing uh, miles per gallon on their on their tanks, they're now doing months per gallon, right? They're, yeah. they're, in terms of how long okay. yeah. it goes to fill up. Think about it. You're, not, a, you're yeah. not using as much gas anymore, yeah. okay? So all of the dem- demand for gas is down. All demand for oil is down, okay? We have plenty of oil. We've become oil independent in this country. We're filling up all of our tanks, all of our storage tanks, yep. filling them all up because we're not using as much because of the shutdown. By the way, just on a sidebar there, Brad, this is one of the things that you talk about a shutdown and you talk about the economic devastation. I'm pretty sure that Dr. Anthony Fauci had no clue about the supply-demand 
characteristics of the oil market. It's, he's not even required to care. Okay, so let's not act like we're going to rely on Fauci to make all economic decisions because it never even crossed his mind, nor should it. So that's why he shouldn't be making. By the way, ultimately I, the I, decisions I, I, on the economy. I want to. I want to change it. And actually, maybe I shouldn't because just everyone's like, listen to the scientists, listen to the scientists, even when they're wrong. Uh, I was going to say listen to the economists, but they're wrong, too. No, no, no. Uh, maybe I'll get in that for later. I'm fine with listening to the scientists, <laughs> but let me listen to the doctors and scientists that are not in the government. Can I listen to the non-governmental? scientists? Non-governmental. Can I listen to the scientists, Brad, when they actually have actual data instead of guessing? Because they're all guessing like a lot of economists do. But anyway, back to oil. Okay? We're filling up all the tanks. We're filling up all the tanks. There's nowhere to put the oil. So the oil keeps pumping. Yep. And you can't just shut the pump off because it, it takes a while to put turn it back on. So oil is valued monthly in these contracts. I'm trying to make it as simple as possible yep. for our listeners. At the end of the month, if you have a contract for one barrel of oil, there's no contract for one barrel of oil, but let's just say one barrel of oil. Yep. Okay. You have one of two things that you have to do. You have to get rid of it and sell it, or you have to take the barrel of oil. You have to actually take possession. Okay. And we had... Hundreds of thousands of investors who never in a million years thought that they would want to take possession of a barrel of oil. They just trade it. They just and at trade the end it. of the month, they trade out and trade to the next month but, or trade to six months out. But if it worked perfectly, if it worked perfectly, they would they would take possession. Mm-hmm. Well, they have nowhere to put it. So now you have this barrel of oil, okay? Someone's going to come to you and say, hey, I'm going to drop this barrel of oil off in your house. And you're like, no, God, no. Or, or tanker of oil <laughs> or if tank- they're buying a lot. Yeah, if they're yeah. buying a lot, it's a tanker. They're going to show up with a tanker at your house, yep. and they're going to say, here you go. Yeah. And you're like, uh, what do I do with this? Yeah, now I have to pay somebody to get rid of it. Before I pay somebody to get rid of it, let me pay you to not bring it. Exactly. And that's what happened. That's exactly what so happened. So that's why oil went negative for two days Now is you because can- we got to the end of these contracts – and investors said, uh, no, I screwed up, and instead of uh, just losing money, I'll actually pay you to not make me take the barrel of oil, and no one had any place to put it, so that's what happened. Right, right. So when you're talking about the oil markets, it's now back up to $17, $18 a barrel, and it's resolved itself. Now, I have heard a couple of uh, oil CEOs, Brad, talk about the fact that maybe we should have investors be forced to prove that they can take the oil before they're allowed to invest in it. Sure. Uh because you can lever all that stuff up, and so you're you're claiming that you want a million barrels, but you have no ability to take it. So is it is it really – should you be an investor in that market? I, I don't know that that's not a bad idea yeah. to, to say you need to prove – and by the way, you don't have to prove that you have some storage tank in your backyard. What an investor would have to do is prove that they have reserved storage sure. in a facility somewhere. Yeah, some sort of premium you have to pay, insurance yeah, uh, you have yeah, to pay. Exactly, exactly. But the point I'm making on all of that is here you had this – craziest two days in maybe oil history where oil goes negative on monday and tuesday of this week and by wednesday it's back to positive thursday and friday it's it's back to normal and if you look at the front month contracts now you have uh one month out it's at twenty dollars then it's at 24 28 32 so it's they all line up to be an increase of oil so you would think with all of that weird stuff going on with oil that energy would be the worst sector it's by far the best the last week, not including Fridays, uh, th- th- this Friday, uh, uh, yesterday's return, uh, energy as a sector was up tw- over 12%. On the week. Yep. On the week. Okay, so if you go Friday to Friday, 12%. The S&P week to week is is negative. Um, and I think last Friday was, was a negative day. So here you have your good idea. And this is the point of bringing all this up. You have this great idea that, oh, you were going to foresee that oil is going to go negative last Friday. 
Okay. And if it's going to go negative, your good idea is that I don't want to own energy. I'll own everything else. I'll own consumer staples. Because consumer staples are getting gobbled up. Everybody's and buying toilet, toilet paper. paper yeah. and, and Clorox and all this stuff. And your great idea made a lot of sense last Friday. And then Monday and Tuesday hit and oil went negative? My great idea is really looking good. And then flash forward one week. And here we sit. And energy stocks are up 12% and up 45 on the month. And... With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Consumer staples are the worst sector in the market, and they're the worst sector on the week. They're the worst sector on the month. They're negative 2.7%, so they're down 2.7%. And energy, with all this crazy stuff that you would have thought you should have avoided, is actually up 12%. So the point being, let's not buy individual stocks in our 401ks. Let's not have these great ideas because you happen to turn on the radio or the TV. And the person on there talking up their own portfolio had this great idea about what you should buy. And because you happen to turn it on at that moment, now you're going to base your entire retirement on that air quote great idea. They're all wrong because they're already priced in, and your theory about what would happen may or may not. I'd put it at about a 50% chance of happening, but what we know is better than 50-50 are everything that we're talking about. When the market is down, you're buying more. When the, when the five-year and 10-year returns are below average or, or above average, we know what we should do. When they're above average, we should sell. When they're below average, we should buy. But you're talking and about the broad term market. and broad market. You could look at it with sectors. You could say – Okay, I want to lean into energy because it's underperformed. I want to lean into financials because the last three years have been bad. But we're not going to buy individual stocks, and we're not going to put our whole portfolio there, and we're not going to say – That's not investing. That's gambling. That's gambling. That's that's taking these huge bets. You don't need it. Can you overweight and underweight? Yes. Is that what we talk about? Yes. That is is just giving you a better chance of success because you're buying what is down – Selling a little bit of what's up. We we'll probably still own a little bit of everything. Even now, technology being the best sector over the last three and five years, we still own it. But we're, we're already talking again about lightening up. We added more over the last couple months. But as the rebound has happened and happened almost exclusively in some of these sectors, we're already mapping out a strategy for lightening up there again. You should not be in the prediction business no. at all. Okay, And, and one thing, if, if anything has been learned from the last two months, Brad – is never underestimate the market's ability to do the opposite of what you think. Yeah, yeah. Okay? And this energy is a perfect example. But I'm, and we're going to get more into this because I'm going to give a, a, a lot more examples. And everyone's a so-called expert now, both on the scientific side, which there's a lot of prognostication going on there. But everyone ha- sort of has these ideas going back to the old Peter Lynch days at Fidelity where you go to the mall and you see where the lines are and but you're not factoring in all the other things that go into why a company makes money. Yeah. Okay? Oh, I like this. By the way, I think that's going on right now in our world in terms of what people will do when we come out of this. Yeah. Okay? Oh, absolutely. Jim Cramer on CNBC clearly does not like going on cruises, for example. Yeah. Okay? 
So his idea of Cruz stocks is, is probably oh he he thinks he thinks it's over yeah completely over and that's just one example yeah not a recommendation buy or sell Cruz stocks. However, I know a lot of people that. They think it's the greatest thing in the world, and when this and is all done— And they're anticipating the deals they're about to get, and they're going to go on two cruises next year because it's going to be for the price of one. Yes, so don't—just because something isn't your thing, yeah. don't use that as a reason to not invest in something, Yeah. okay? Yeah. I don't understand half the stuff my wife buys. Yeah. Okay, I have no idea why she buys some of this stuff yeah. and why it gives her joy. But she's not the only one who does, and therefore those But just because it doesn't make sense to me— Yeah. That someone would want to buy the Lululemon uh, pants. Yeah. Not a recommendation to buy or sell Lululemon. Okay. I did yeah. that. It doesn't mean that it's a bad investment. Yeah. Okay. And so that you could take that across the board with all these things that I hear, not only about investing, but about our, what our world's going to be yeah. when we come out of this. Yeah. So let's take our next break and talk about some of the things we're hearing about these extremes, both in what the economy is about to become. And everyone's investing ideas revolved around that. When we come back from the next break, you're listening to Advisors of Kirsten Wealth Management Group. We'll be right back. And welcome back. You're listening to the Advisors of Kirsten Wealth Management Group. Brad and Kevin here with you this morning. Kevin, we're talking about the extremes that we're seeing in our overreaction to lots of different things and just the extremes that were, are being forced upon us. Look no further than last night's NFL draft and the first 15 minutes about coronavirus, not about the draft. And you even have Anthony Fauci coming on and doing a PSA about I, – I had it muted, quite frankly, actually, because I, I had two different TVs on, and I, I knew it wasn't starting yet. And when I see Fauci on, I just kept it muted. But I'm sure it was a PSA on how to wash our hands or something. Uh, I think everyone knows how to wash their hands at this point. I think we're all good. If there's a PSA at all, I think it needs to be on uh, how to use uh, gloves and, and uh, masks at a grocery store because, I mean – that's what I think people are. By, by the way, they they should tell the people in the House of Representatives that, Brad, because half the, the people in the House yesterday debating uh, the extra money that's going to go into the payroll protection program were incorrectly wearing their mask. Then they would walk up to the podium. I don't know if you saw this. Yeah. They would take their mask off to talk in the microphone. Yeah. And then they would spit all over the microphone, and then the next person would come in. Not that I care. How about they would touch the outside of their mask? To take it off, then those hands that touch the outside of the mask would then touch the podium. By the way, I'm not using this as a reason as to why all those no. congressmen should change their behavior. I'm using it as a reason that all of this stuff is a big waste of time. It, it, absolutely, because you're <laughs> making it worse. And before we even get to the other streams, I want to talk about this. I mean, Pelosi, did you, did you see Pelosi? Wiped Pelo her nose. Wiped her nose. And, and then, then touched, touched the podium. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Took her mask off, wiped her this nose. This yesterday. Yeah. yeah. After weeks look, of this. Look, if, if we need a PSA on how to wash hands— Clearly, we most people, if they need to be told to wash their hands, can't are not responsible enough to use gloves and a mask properly. Think about the gloves at the grocery store. I put the gloves on. I go in and I touch everything. I get back to my car. I put everything in. What do I do with the gloves? I'm seeing that a lot of people are just throwing them right on the ground for somebody to clean up. Well, so now awesome. we're just throwing them on the ground. If we're not throwing them on the ground, what are we doing? Do we have a sealed bag to put them in? Or do we get in the car and drive with them? Now, now those germs are in your car. If we don't and we take them off, we put them in our car, now those germs are in the car. Either way, isn't it better to be in there without gloves, come back to your car, put hand sanitizer on, and now I'm clean? Yeah. I'm I'm collecting dirty things when I'm doing all of this stuff. Yeah. The mask, if you're a nursing student, you know, you can fail or get a bad grade on a test if you don't properly use your mask by touching it. Once you put it on and you glove up, you don't touch anything. Is that what people are doing when they go to the grocery no. store? No. 
your dirty gloves or touching your, your dirty mask, and then you're taking your dirty mask off, you're putting it in your car, and the next day you're putting your dirty mask back on, and it's just collecting all this stuff. And you, where are you putting it? Oh, right by your nose and face where you're not supposed to touch. So just let me get this dirty thing that I just keep putting back on my face. And it's not going to be coronavirus that people are getting. It's just all the other germs and colds that we're going to get throughout the summer. If there's anything that we're going to have more of this summer, it'll be normal colds because of all this mask well, use. And, and we finally have acknowledged the fact that being outside is a good thing. Trump just acknowledged that last night. Uh, oh, that's a big shocker. Let me see here. You and I are doing this podcast in this enclosed room. Yeah. Okay. What is the density of the the – the, the water droplets they keep talking about. Yeah. What is the percentage of water droplets to air here versus if you and I go out in the yeah. parking lot? Right, right. And all that air. That's the difference between us getting in a bathtub together or the ocean, right? <laughs> right, right. And that's why it was so dumb that we had to close down the beaches and the actual water because even if that guy who got arrested in California for, for uh, being on a stand-up paddleboard – even if he had coronavirus, I think it's displaced in the ocean enough yes. that we're all good. Yes. So those extremes, I think, are going to go away. I don't think they're going away yet. We're, here are the stages, because I'm thinking about the stages that we had for 9-11. It was everyone predicting the extremes. No one will fly again. No one's doing yes. – no one's going to go on a subway again because we had that that bombing, and I think it was uh, London for the no, – nobody going on the subway. Nobody will do this. Nobody that. And then it's it's this disbelief and outrage. I can't believe people are still flying. Oh, that's just that's ridiculous. I won't fly, but I can't believe other people are flying in. And then it's and then it's being mad because of all the things you have to do if you want to do it. And then well, no, no, people then start be, not then doing be, it. I can't believe people went to the Ohio State game. Yeah. And then you're like, but I want to go to the Ohio well, State I, game. I don't want to go to the Ohio yeah. State game. <laughs> yeah. So what are we seeing now with all that? That, that was nine eleven. What are we seeing now? It's it's extremes of what you're being forced to do i can't do this i can't do that then you're allowed to do it and then people are outraged that you're not wearing gloves and mask when you're out well what's better wearing no glove and mask and staying clean and washing my hands and using hand sanitizers or using them improperly there's a picture of a guy in a grocery store in line all gloved up with his mask over uh, over his um, uh on his forehead eating a bag of chips with his dirty gloved hands while he's in line waiting to be checked out all right is that better or is no no gloves better? And so there's outrage for people being out and not doing what, what you're doing. And then eventually people will just give up. And they'll be like, well, if nobody else is doing it, well, I'm not going to do it either. But I want to do it, but I won't because it doesn't matter if I'm the only one. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so we're going to see it with airplanes. You're going to get on an airplane. It's going to be full. And, and, and most people will just be like, eh. Whatever. If he's can't, not doing it. It can't stay in forever. Right. And there will be somebody will come in in a hazmat suit mad that not everybody is wearing a mask. And, and and then eventually it'll be over. Right. right. This is be the same as nine eleven. Right. So your your great idea of of what the world's going to become, even in the world of investing, it'll be like that for a little while. Yeah. But eventually it's not going to be like that. You know, everyone who makes these predictions, you, you know, you know, you got the black swan guy Nassim Talib that was on this morning on CNBC, and you and you, you, it's great to be in a business where you can make an extreme prediction because. Reality of life, reality of stock markets, reality of investing. Extremes happen. Yeah. Yeah, they kind of do, but they're never as bad as everyone thinks. Well, they're not going to bring him out three months from now. No, and and the reality is life is lived in the gray area, but there's no benefit to being a, a, a news organization or a, a prognosticator in the market and talking about 
boring returns. Yeah. Okay. There's there's no there's no business in that. Yeah. But that's reality. I mean, and and like you said, overweighting and underweighting the areas. Now, one thing I will point out, Brad, you talk about year to date. The S and P five hundred is still about what sixteen seventeen percent off the high, twelve point nine percent negative year to date. However. Underneath the surface, it is a very different market, and there's still a tremendous amount of opportunity. I saw a, a, a chart here, Brad, which just blew my mind. It was a pie chart of the the S, uh, the S the five biggest stocks in the S and P 500. And this pie chart, Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, Google, Facebook, represented half of this pie chart. The other half of this pie chart, Brad, is the next 350 stocks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so which way do you think it's going? Do you think it's going further? Maybe for a little while, but five years from now, we're not going to see that. There are still vast swaths of this market, Brad, that are down over 20%. And so, yes, it's nice that we've recovered. Uh, unfortunately, being diversified has not helped in the last year to date. Yep. It has not helped. Okay, Being diversified has not helped. The average stock... The- With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Median stock uh, is is down much more. If you look at the equal weighted S&P 500, let's do this really quick here, Brad. Uh, it came into the year, uh, equal weight S&P 500 is down... 25 on 115. Uh, what is that here? 25 on 115. 20? 21.7. So that would be taking the S&P 500 and buying an equal percentage. 0. 0.2, 0. 0.2 of everything. Of everything. Yeah. That's down 21.7, and the S&P is down 12.8. How can that be? It's those top stocks that, that represent are, all the returns. That all all the returns. So and that's look, why they've grown to be such a big portion of the portfolio uh, of the of the overall market. Right. And and so you go and you you say the first thing I I hear people say is and I want to go to the negativity that is in our world and in our market right now. And and you and you say, "But what if those stocks start going down? It's going to be really bad." No, I I flip that around. Those are five stocks. What if the other 490 in the S&P 500 start going up? The 495 start going right. up. You have 495 companies that can push the market I higher. I keep hearing this narrative, Brad, that the market is not down near enough for how bad 
the economy is. The average stock in the S&P is down 21.7, year to date. Yeah. More from the high. You have very few stocks either holding the market up or doing well, and that's the next wave of returns. That it's will not be the, the, the continuation that will be the, of Netflix. Yes, there will be new leadership. Yeah. There will be new leadership, and that's how you get markets to move higher. Do you really think this entire thing is going to continue to be driven by five stocks forever? Yeah. No. And so I am I you know I keep hearing this this narrative of but what if it's worse? Yeah. But what if it's worse? And but, I wrote down for this show, but what if it's not? <laughs> I just wrote it down. We used to be an optimistic country. Yeah. Everyone says going through this coronavirus thing, there's all this we want to be positive, we want to get through this. We used to be an optimistic country. We're not. No. We're not. The media is not optimistic. Nobody's optimistic. Yeah. The, the, the business people are not optimistic. Brad, we, when I first started working in the late 1990s, okay? By the way, the CEOs aren't optimistic. Nobody's optimistic. Right. They, they say they are. Oh, yeah, rah, rah, America, that's great, but everything kind of stinks. Yeah. I mean, the CEO of Target was on, and he was talking about how they had their best online sales in their history. Yeah. Better than any Black Friday or Cyber Monday they've ever had. And then he was just kind of like, yeah, but we're really, I don't know. I mean, I've never heard a CEO talk like no, this. I, I keep hearing it on conference calls where they're saying, yes, it's it much better than we thought it was going to be. But what if it doesn't continue? Oh, it, best, best online sales ever. But what if that dries up? It, it, we are a Debbie Downer society yeah, right yeah. now, Brad. In the late 90s when you were on a conference call, they, they would come on and, and they would report earnings of like negative $10 a share. Yeah. And, then and they the, would spin it. And they would spin it, and they would be like, yeah, but our idea is going to change the world. Yeah. And everyone would be like, yeah. Yeah. And then the stock would go up 100%. Yeah. Okay? Now it's the other. It's everything has to be looked as glass half empty in our in our lives. But what if it's worse? But what if coronavirus comes back? But what if this? But what if that? Yeah. I have n- I, In the last two months, Brad, I have not heard anyone give a but what if it's better scenario. Yeah. No one. Right. Okay, and that's that's the optimism of the American people. That's gone. That's gone. I'm sorry. You can say you're optimistic. Nobody is. Okay. when when the headline is dead bodies and filling up refrigeration trucks, it's nonsense. Yeah. Okay. even if they want to do a positive story, Brad, even if they want to do a positive story about coronavirus, the positive story is that somebody died and the people left is about them. It's still a negative story. Right. There's no positive stories. Yeah. The 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 posit- the stories they're doing are still about pain and suffering and always I mean I there's a certain part of that that always has been, but when when it comes uh, well, to I the market, I think we're getting to a tipping point on that. I think people are turning it off and and the the ratings will show that uh, people are sick of it. They don't want to hear it anymore. That's why the NFL draft probably had so many people watching it. And even when when it started and they were doing all the coronavirus stuff, Twitter was blowing up with, okay, enough. I tuned in not to hear this. And then they actually didn't talk about it anymore after the first 10 minutes. So we're going to take our next pause, Brad. We get back. I want to just go through some of the things that are happening because the other side of this negativity that we're talking about is the fact that all of that negativity, everyone's on one side of the boat. And I think more than ever, we're seeing – the market is consistently doing the opposite of what everyone thinks. And everyone's listening to these so-called experts. They don't know. They're guessing, and they're wrong a lot. You're listening to Money Sense. Kevin and Brad Kirsten, we'll be right back. 
Kirsten. Welcome back to the show. You're listening to the Advisors of Kirsten Wealth Management Group. Kevin Kirsten and Brad Kirsten. As a reminder, we are professional financial advisors. You can give us a call at our office in Perrysburg. Set up a time to go over your own portfolio, create a retirement plan for yourself. Our number is 419-872-0067. Check us out online if you want to get some more information on our firm, KirstenWealth.com. From there, you can read our weekly market commentary, which talks about the earnings that are going to be coming up. Is the bar low enough for earnings? And uh, will that create a situation where companies can leap over it? Check it out online, KirstenWealth.com. Brad, I, I, we've mentioned this on a show before, the Costanza model of investing, which is if every decision you've ever made is wrong, then the opposite must be right. Mm-hmm. George Costanza said that in Seinfeld years ago. And there was a whole- Not epi- about investing, but not about, about just his, his life. His life. Yeah. Well, I think that that maybe is more true now not only in investing, but in life more, more than ever. And I think it goes back to everyone's on the negative side of the boat. Okay. Yeah. If I, if, but in if the moment, sp- people don't think they are, there is this hindsight that people think, yeah, no, no, no I, I'm thinking that now, but before my idea was also right. There's, there's this cloud of, uh, uh, you take, forget about your bad decisions. Let me, t- let me take you back. Let me just go a little bit back and I'm going to go back a long way. If you'd have told the average economist, or big firm chief investment officer in 1999, if you'd have been pounding the table that in 1999 the best investment for the next 20 years would be the 30-year treasury, how many people would have agreed with that? No, none. Okay. After the tech bust, yeah. Okay. at the bottom of the market in 2002, if you'd have told investors to just simply buy the NASDAQ 100 and forget about it for 18 years, that'll be the best thing. After it was down 80% from the highs. Yep. Who would have believed that? Right. Very few. Okay. After real estate and financials did very, very well in the tech bust, almost didn't even lose any money, if you'd have told them that that would be the worst thing to own in the 2008 financial crisis, would they have believed you? Even going into this year, Brad, even going into this year, first of all, if I'd have told you that a pandemic was going to spread throughout the country, most people would have said no. Yeah. I said, we're going to have a pandemic spread throughout the country. But it's not going to be as bad as we think a pandemic would be, but we're still going to close the economy down. You just said, no way. We would never do that in a free country. Mm-hmm. Then I would say, we're going to close the economy down for six weeks. Nobody's going to do anything. Okay. Let's go back to the other thing. Oil's going to go negative. No way. That's not possible. Right. By the way, all the so-called experts that no, no, were no, listening. Let me go further. Oil's going to go negative, and it's going to have its best week in sure. decades. Absolutely. Okay. The oil the oil companies, the yeah. oil stocks. Uh when the last state closes down, the market will move up from there. Yes. Okay. So the uh, it's just the, the market will of bottom think would the happen. The market will bottom 6 weeks. 6 weeks before we open up even the first state. Right. Okay? The economy is going to be completely shut down and year to date the market's going to only be down 12.8% and quite frankly, I reference under the hood it's a little bit worse. Fine. You're going to shut the economy for six weeks, and you're only down on the equal weight S and P 500 21 percent. I'd be I would have been shocked mm-hmm. by all those things. And every economist that everyone is listening to today that is saying everything's going to get worse, right? Those are the, those people would have been shocked as well, right? Well, and 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 those are the ones now saying, well, we we knew, we but knew. they didn't, and they weren't talking about it. But and I yet know they we changed keep, that narrative. We keep harping on this on this show, but it goes to the fact that if anything has been solidified in these last few weeks, it's that no one knows anything. Yeah. The economists don't know anything. 
I don't know where the market's going next week. Right. I don't know where the market's going next month. I'll only go as far as saying in the next 10 years, you have a 99% probability of making money. I'm not even going to give a rate of return. Yeah. Because that's the history on the S&P 500. I'm not going to give a rate of return. Yeah. If anybody who tells you a rate of return, well, that's why we always talk about the stats are saying, okay, if the last year has been below average, this is the likelihood that the next year will be above average. And we're talking about likelihoods and probabilities of that. And that that's all you can do. Continues to repeat itself. That's all you can do. But but one thing that has definitely changed is the market and the economy always used to get the benefit of the doubt. There's no benefit of the doubt now. It's all bad. It's all bad until proven otherwise. And then when it's good, okay, then we say, yep. So even when it turns out to be better than everyone thinks and the market goes high, you know what they end up saying when the market's high? They say, well, we're setting ourselves up for a big fall. Yeah, right. So when it's down, it should go lower. When it's up, we're setting ourselves up for a big fall. That did not used to happen, No, it did not. It used to be when it goes up and everyone's like, how could this continue? And they're like, who cares? Yes, (laughs) yes, right. It was like it didn't matter. Yeah. No one ever talked about when it was going up 20, 30% per year, which, by the way, in the late 90s, it went up 20% a year for five consecutive years. No one ever said, well, this is too much. Nobody. Right. And now that we've had a period of time in the last five years where the average return of the S&P 500 uh, – well, I have, the, I have the last – well, the, the five-year number is not on here. I, I'll, I'll dig that out. Well, the three-year number is eight. Um, the five-year number is much, much worse, Brad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, now they're saying it's going to go down forever. Yeah. And so nobody knows. Yeah. So-called experts today – we're wrong three months ago. Mm-hmm. We're wrong one year ago. But now they, they must be right. They were wrong three months ago. They were wrong a year ago. But somehow now, because they're on TV, they're right. It, it's like back in the day, I think about all the bad baseball players that the Indians had. Yeah. And some of these guys hit like 100. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Chris Bando, I God, he was terrible. Chris Chris Bando was the worst. He he hit like 150, and he was our catcher forever. Yeah, that guy. It, it, it's like I'm in the dugout of the manager of the Indians, and Chris Bando, who's hitting 120, comes up to me and says, "I'm going to hit a home run this time." Yeah, and I'm like, "Yeah, okay, whatever." Yeah, but that's not where we live in the economic and investment world. We have people that bat 100, Brad. That when they come back up to bat and they say they're going to hit a home run. All of the news media drops what they're doing and says, "Well, let's this let's is listen." Going to be good. What's he got to say? Yeah, he's so smart. Yeah, he's for- worth he's worth a billion dollars. Yeah, he was worth two billion dollars a month ago. Yeah. Okay. Like, anyway, I just think it's so ridiculous how we have simply changed. And by the way, we were wrong in the '90s. We shouldn't have been that optimistic. Yeah. But we should not be that pessimistic today. Well, we were mentioning earlier. And I just to close out this segment, I want to I want to talk about this just to, to to frame this narrative around something that we hear. And at these times when the market is volatile, I think people think, well, instead of owning the overall market, and I mentioned this earlier, I'll just own these solid blue chip stocks, and everything will be fine. Now, I'm gonna mention a couple of names here, so let me just give the the, the eye roll disclaimer that even clients are saying, why do you guys do that? Not a recommendation to buy any or, or sell any of these. Most of them are bankrupt. You gave me a list goes back to 1980, and it is the 10 
This is the S&P 500's 10 largest stocks every five years, okay? So you got 500 stocks in the S&P 500. This is just the, the 10 largest. Pretty consistently, if you just knock out the last 10 years, if you go to like 2005, pretty much one stock in the top five or the top 10 every five years goes bankrupt, okay? So here we are with the largest 10 making up all the performance in 2020 and the largest 10 making up a majority of the performance in the last three years. And yet no one would believe that any of those largest 10 would ever go bankrupt ever. Well, what do you think they were thinking in 1985 when the 10th largest company was Sears Roebuck or the fifth largest company was General Motors? They would have never thought that either one of those would ever have any negative performance. They are solid blue chip companies. I could own Sears Roebuck forever. Why would I ever need to sell it? In 1980, there's a company I've never even heard of before in here. I'm sure that listeners know who this is. Atlantic Richfield is the number nine stock in the, in the S&P 500 by size. General Electric is number 10. Um, you go uh, in, in 2000 and in 2005, you had AIG in there. Well, in 2005, you were two years away from AIG needing a bailout and declaring bankruptcy. But yet, it's the number eight size stock in the world. Nobody would have thought AIG would ever need any kind of bailout or go bankrupt. Atlantic Richfield's an oil company, by the way. Okay. So. <laughs> Makes sense. We got a lot of oil companies at, at, at that time. You've got in the top in nineteen eighty in the top ten you had Exxon Mobil, Standard Oil, Schlumberger, Shell, Mob uh Mobile, Standard Oil, and Atlantic Richfield. All Ar- in- they called it Arco. It merged with Anaconda Copper Mining Company. Okay. In- of Montana. So here you are in 1980. You've got seven of the top ten are oil. Jeez. Oil. You could just, you know, you could just buy them all, put them on the shelf, and never look at them. Oil. How are we doing now? Oil's rock solid, Brad. Yeah. Oil's, never... a, oil's a real thing you could put your hands on. I think people, That's what people, said. Yeah, people forget <laughs> that there are all these eras where people are saying the same thing they're saying now. Now, I don't know if tomorrow's the day or what, but I do know there is a company that's the one of the ten largest companies in the world. That in the next, I would say, 10 years. Based on what that? Will go bankrupt. At the very least, it'll be out of all these indexes. It won't even be a 500 largest. You know, Sears Roebuck's hung on for a little while. But so you, if, Sears if, Roebuck and J.C. Penney's is still hanging around. Is that the Dow or the S&P? That's the S&P. That's the S&P. So going back to what date? 19, 1980. 1980. Every 10-year increment on there has at least one bankruptcy. Correct. That's interesting, but not from the last. Uh, not from the last ten. In the last ten, uh, probably the worst stock on here is General Electric, but it's it's still around. They were teetering, for um, a while. but they were in the top ten uh, even even just five years ago. Yeah, for size. So, yeah. yes, it, it happens, and it's one of the stocks you're probably thinking about buying. And in your lifetime, it'll either go bankrupt or it'll have negative performance it never recovers from. So Wait. stop thinking about. By it. By the way, when you buy the broad market, you do get adjustments. People think, oh, if I buy an index, I don't get adjustments. Well, look at the S&P. Yeah. Look what the S&P was 10, 20, 30 years ago. You don't own the same S&P today that you owned back that's, then. That's right. So yeah. you do get adjustments. And even the Dow. The Dow yeah. is the 30 stocks they select, but it changes. Yeah. So you, you don't have a static portfolio. And so finally, Brad, I just want to close out with I was talking about the negativity. And I was I was trying to look up the return of the total stock market index to talk about the fact that everyone is still talking about how far we came in the last 10 years. And first of all, the first headline on Market Watch is this post 
pet crash recovery isn't at all like the recoveries of 2009 and 987. It should be a big worry for investors. <laughs> Just straight negative. Are, are you kidding me? Yeah. So the total stock market index, and I'm going to do it a little bit longer than that, and then we're going to take our last pause, okay? Five-year number, 3.3 per year. And all the news is negative. Okay? Yeah. Ten-year number. We just – oh, we just went through our greatest 10 years ever. That's what everyone told me. Yeah. 6.39. That's the 10-year number. On the total stock market index. It's a little bit better of a metric in my opinion because that's that's what diversified portfolios have looked at. In the last five years, it's 3.3 on the total stock index. That is pitiful. And if we had a period of time that was 3.3 in the 1980s and 90s, people would have said – Back up the truck. Back up the yeah, truck. Yeah. Okay. And no one is saying that. Now, I'm not saying back up the truck. I'm just saying, what are you looking at? You're not. No one's looking at the same things we are looking at, and it's very, very frustrating. We'll take our last pause. We'll be back in just a minute. And welcome back, Kevin. We're talking about all the negativity that's out there, and I think we even get it on the financial side from some financial advisors. I, I, I think sometimes you, you, you hear from we hear from colleagues. That seems so negative, and I think, geez, this guy's been through one too many bear markets, or he uh, he was not positioned correctly for the current one because he's so negative. And you think, I, would you want would you want to get on an airplane, and when you get some turbulence, the pilot comes on the air and be like, this doesn't look good. I don't know if we're gonna make it, but I'll give it a shot. But yeah, I don't like our chances. Or do you want your pilot to sound like Elon Musk sounds right now when he's on an earnings call and they're talking about how much debt they have and how much they're losing, but he's like, everything is great, everything is going to be fine, and we are going to make so much money, we're going to take over the world. That's what you want your pilot to do. It's not about sugarcoating it. No, it's just like everything will be fine. We're going to make a bunch of money. This is Tesla I'm saying. We're going to make a bunch of money, and 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 growth will fix all. Not a, buy, not a recommendation to buy or sell Tesla. I think it goes more to, as a group, okay, the the leaders of the companies of the S and P five hundred. If as a group they're all negative, that that's a problem. Yes, you could pick out one guy who maybe is too positive for what's going on in his company, but in in twenty years ago, you never heard about the negative ones. No, and now it's just a a, a line, barrage of negative. Line them all up. Yeah, line them all up. They're all negative. Nothing's ever going to be. Now you realize the most positive person they always seek out right now is an eighty-nine-year-old investor named Warren Buffett. Right? Can you was was Warren Buffett in nineteen ninety-five the most optimistic person out there? No, no, no. In fact, he didn't understand what was going on with technology and said, "I'll avoid it because I just pessimistic. don't get it." Yeah, or yeah. not pessimistic. He was. Warren's never been pessimistic on the American economy. He was, he was just investing in what he understood. What he understood. Today, fast forward, he was in his 60s back then. Now he's 89 years old, and that's the most optimistic person we can find? Right. Yeah. Good grief. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I there's a lot of things that are that will change maybe uh, for permanent. I did find one that I thought was really interesting in uh, the census is coming out. I will mention, uh, I see a couple things come across my desk. There's a lot of uh, fraud being done in this coronavirus age with, with calls that are going out. And uh, prior to all this, I was seeing ones that were warning people about calls for census. The census will not call you. Don't take that call. That's just straight fraud. Um, 
But the, the I, by the way, the IRS will not call you on your stimulus check. The Social Security will not call you. Yes. Okay. Don't take Be those calls. Of that. Everything is mail and going to the office. Uh, but the Census Bureau is putting out a lot of stats, and what I saw was the average retirement age going all the way back to 1950. And this is one thing I think will change because of the the work from home and being able to work on the road and being able to work mobile. I think a lot of people realize, okay, I don't need to just hang it up. I can continue to work and have a little bit more freedom to have leisure time and to do things because of this experiment of working from home. The average retirement age in 1950 was 70 years old. It steadily declined all the way till till 1999, and it went from age 70 to age 63. Ticked up a little bit after 2008 because people hung on to make sure their portfolios could recover, and you had that participation rate in the overall market go up a little bit, and but only got to about 64 and a half in, in year 2010, and has steadily declined to be right back down to 63. Okay. I think that is one thing that's going to change. We're going to have a lot more partial retirements and people just not retiring at all. 63-year-olds are still young. I'm sorry, they are. Yeah. You're still young. So change jobs, work longer, work with a little bit more freedom, work from home, work mobile. I think that's one thing that will change because in 1950, age 70, life expectancy was only 66 and your work until 70. It wasn't until 19... 19- well, no wonder Social Security did so well back yeah, then. Yeah, it made it. <laughs> uh, it wasn't until 1954 that that changed, where life expectancy at birth was above the average retirement age. And now that gap is is nearly 20 years. Life expectancy at birth versus average retirement age. And so I, I, think, I think... What's probably the hardest thing about planning today is... People are living longer. Longevity, yeah. The longevity, the number of years you're going to have to pull money from your retirement portfolio. These are all the things that we analyze for people and set up for the future. It was easy when you retired in 1960, Brad. You could buy a treasury, pull the money out. You knew you weren't going to live long enough to exhaust your funds. Now you have to incorporate other asset classes. You have to incorporate some stocks for long-term growth because – you actually need long-term growth in retirement. Now inflation matters. When your retirement years were five to ten years long, <laughs> right. we didn't have to talk about inflation. That's right. And so that's something that's going to rear its ugly head at some point in time. These are all the things that we analyze for people at Kirsten Wealth Management. Give us a call at our office in Perrysburg. Set up a consultation. Go over your own plan. Go over your investments. We can do that for you. 419-872-0067. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to Money Sense, brought to you each week by Kirsten Wealth Management Group. To contact Dennis, Brad, or Kevin professionally, call 419-872-0067 or 800-875-1786. Their email address is kirstenwealth at lpl.com, and their website is kirstenwealth.com. Opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your financial advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.